You're listening to the Reality Steve Podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's covering everything about Rachel's upcoming season of The Bachelorette. Now, the man with all your spoilers and behind-the-scenes juice in Bachelor Nation, here's Reality Steve. Welcome, everyone, to podcast number 18. I am your host, Reality Steve. We've got a great guest lined up for you today, someone I've wanted to talk to you for a long time now. We'll get to him momentarily, but first, today's episode is brought to you by SaneBox.com. SaneBox helps you take back your email sanity. They have a special for you, Reality Steve listeners, at SaneBox.com backslash Steve that I'll tell you more about later in the episode. But without further ado, let me bring on our guest. He is in the Bachelor record books as the only contestant to ever appear in five different shows of the franchise. You saw him first on Emily Maynard's season of The Bachelorette. He was on the third and final season of Bachelor Pad. He appeared momentarily on Andy Dorfman's season of The Bachelorette, and then you saw him on the first two seasons of Bachelor in Paradise. It is none other than Chris Bukowski. Chris, I appreciate you taking the time. Come on today. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Um, God, there's obviously so much we can cover in your history with the show, <laughs> but I, I first want to start off with how you were cast. Um I had read that you had never watched the show and a friend had nominated you for Emily season. And you were in a position in your life where everything was pretty much going great. You had a great job. You were making good money. And then you decided to do this. So talk about the initial response and the initial thought process of going on Emily season. Yeah, sure. Um, at the time, I was actually living uh, in New York, and um, I mean, I was only uh, 25, just turned 25, actually. And uh, I got an email from um, from the casting department from The Bachelor, and I honestly, I just thought it was some kind of joke and kind of ignored it for for a month or so. And they kind of kept coming in, and um, you know, it said that my friend Shannon, uh, who I grew up with uh, back in my hometown in, in Chicago, uh, she nominated me for for the show. And, you know, naturally, of course, I've heard of the show and never, never really watched it. Uh, my sisters and, and my mom, they, uh, they watched it, um, you know, as I was growing up. Uh, so, you know, I, I responded back to them um, and kind of just gauge if they were really serious, because uh, honestly, it never even crossed my mind to, to be on a to be on a show. Um, and while this was all going on, I was actually interviewing for, for a new position out in Chicago and. I just so happened to be in Chicago while they were doing um, uh, the casting, the casting calls, kind of like the open casting that they have, um, you know, city by city. So they invited me to come out to the casting and uh, I went and um, interviewed and, you know, obviously, uh, I guess the interview went good um, and they invited me to come out to L.A. And, you know, once I kind of heard that uh, it was going to be Emily and after I kind of, you know, Googled her and. She, she seemed to be, uh, you know, my type, um, hard for her to not be anybody's type, but, um, you know, and my mom was kind of all for it. And I was like, Oh God, I don't even know if, you know, I really want to get myself into this, but, uh, you know, it seemed kind of, seemed kind of interesting, especially, you know, for being, you know, that young, I felt like if there was any time to do it, it was going to be that time. So, um, I decided to, to move forward and, and do it. And I did the fact that filming never took place in LA and you guys are the first season. Uh, it hasn't, it hasn't happened since. And there weren't many seasons before that where it happened. 
the fact that you guys were in North Carolina. You never got to stay in the mansion. Did that change anything for you or the dynamic in the house? How how'd you like the fact that filming was in North Carolina and you guys were in this mansion out there? Yeah. I, let me tell you, you know, obviously, you know, the first house I was in was that Charlotte house. Um, and that house was amazing uh, compared to the bachelor house. Uh, yeah. So, you know, if I get, had to choose, it would definitely be the house in Charlotte just because there's way more space. I mean, you can almost get lost in that in that place. Um, so, I mean, I think it was a little different because um, I think being able to separate yourself a little bit from from everything that's going on, um, you know, in that house compared to the bachelor house where, you know, it's it's hot and it's uncomfortable and it's small. Um, it it kind of made a big difference. So I think we got kind of spoiled with, with that house down in Charlotte. I think the issue that came up during her season with you was the, the grown ass man comment that you made. And, and that seemed to rub some guys the wrong way, but was that, was that a case of a line that you really didn't put much thought into and it wasn't really (laughs) that big of a deal. And then the show, took it and ran with it? Or did you realize once you said it, it was like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't have said well, that. Well, I don't, I don't think I said the grown-ass man until Bachelor Pad. Oh, that wasn't until Bachelor Pad? I could have sworn that. Yeah. I thought it was to Doug. What's his name? Was it Doug? Oh, I, I don't. I might have said it to Doug. But yeah, I, that, okay. that, might, okay. that whole argument that I had with Doug, I mean, that was just like, I don't even know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was there like, all right, you know, you don't have a, you have a problem with Doug? Go confront him. It's raining. I'm like, Okay. Um, you know, but I had honestly no problem with the guy. Um, but yeah, grown ass man. I mean, I think that really kind of stemmed from, uh, when I had gotten that fight with, uh, with, uh, Ed Swiderski on, um, on bachelor pad. And I think they really ran with it from there because on the bat, you know, on bachelorette, I was kind of the young guy. So I was always trying to prove that I was, you know, old enough and mature enough to, um, you know, marry this woman with a six year old kid. So I, I think it kind of all just, made sense for a storyline there. That's for sure. So so you make it to the final four of Emily's season. You're eliminated at hometown dates. Did you think, number one, did you think you were going to get that far? And then once you did get that far, how shocked were you to get eliminated? <laughs> I honestly, I didn't even think I was going to get past the first night um, before I left for the show. And, you know, my mom's like, Oh no, you know, we'll see you, you know, we'll see you both uh, here. And I'm like, all right, whatever you're talking about, Mom, I, I believe you. But um, I was shocked when I was getting to hometown date. And then I was like, holy crap, you know, I got to really, uh, you know, figure this out. Because, you know, you don't really think about the logistics of things outside of the show mm-hmm. until it's like it could possibly happen. So, yeah, I mean, I started freaking out a little bit, um, you know, going home and, you know, with Emily. So, um yeah, you really can't prepare yourself for that because honestly, I'm, you know, I'm a pretty confident guy. Um, but I didn't, I didn't think that I would go past the first night just because, you know, I never seen the show. I didn't really know what to, what to do or, you know, if there are any tricks or, or, or whatnot, but, um, this might sound bad too, but when I got there, you know, the competition as you know, we, some of us call it, yeah. uh, you know, it seemed pretty, uh, pretty weak. Um, you know, the first night I met some of the guys there. Yeah. I mean, I, just your honest opinion. It's it was one of the weirder, I guess, final choices. I just you know I never saw Emily and Jeff uh, together. It just didn't. It made zero sense to me. Was that was that something that you looked at having lived with the guy and him and Ari? And after you were gone, 
Like when you left the show and you were eliminated, and it was down to Sean, Ari, and Jeff. Who did you think Emily was picking? I was I was positive it was going to be Sean. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's the whole kind of southern mentality type thing. Is yeah. I definitely didn't think it was going to be Jeff. Um, there was you know even at the beginning, I, even with Ari, I really didn't think Ari was going to be someone that would make it that far, but. Um, I don't know. I think she has. Um, she's not really into that big muscular <laughs> yeah. guy type, apparently. So, um, yeah, I was shocked. You know, when I when I came back for uh, the mental all and to find out that Sean was actually there because um, I thought he would for sure be one of the the final two at least. Well, you hadn't read the spoilers. You didn't know that I had spoiled. She was with Jeff and uh, Ari was final two, and Sean got eliminated. <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna lie. You know, I would. <laughs> You know, when I came home and I was able to hit the computer, I can, you know, start Googling stuff. And I couldn't believe, like, you know, how much you knew. And yeah. um, I was like, wow, this is this is pretty incredible. You knew stuff that I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is pretty cool. And, you know, to look back and to see, you know, how people are, you know, talking about, you know, me or any of the other guys and how, you know, people are taking, uh, you know, riding a, a guy out and they're, um, it's just Pretty. It was pretty. Pretty interesting, especially never reading anything about myself on the internet until you know that happened. Well, I, the funny thing is, Emily's husband right now, this guy that she's, this Tyler guy that she's married to, kind of has a Ryan Bowers look to him. He, <laughs> yeah. he like kind of a bigger guy with the facial hair. I just, I don't know. He kind of looks like Ryan Bowers to me. But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean Ryan. That's honestly that's who I thought like it, it, she would have ended up with someone like Ryan or. You know, one of those um, one of those um, beefcake guys, a little bit, you know, or, or Doug, or I don't know. He was a little too crazy, but uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, Bowers was definitely someone I thought uh, she could have ended up with. So you end Bachelor at with Emily, and next up on your resume is is Bachelor Pad Three. Now, of all the shows that you did, which one would you say was your favorite? Um. It's you know saying that and saying it now it's much easier to actually decide. I think Bachelor Pad was honestly my favorite, um, just because it was you know there was a competitive aspect to it. Um, you know you ha- obviously had the mixture of guys and girls. Uh, it just seemed a little more um, uh, real, you know. I mean, Bachelorette was awesome because we traveled all over the world and stuff, especially in Emily season. Um, yeah. But it was kind of boring. I mean, there's so much downtime. You can't really do anything. Um, at least on Bachelor Pad, it kind of it's kind of like a, a party, constant party with you know cameras around. Well, and plus, you're not surrounded by just guys. I mean, you're able to exactly. anybody that you have an interest in. You could literally hang out with them all day long. You could go to bed with them at night. You know, whenever you wanted to. Like it's this isn't like a you know a sausage fest like the Bachelorette basically is. <laughs> Um, it's, it's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, bachelor pad, you know, even though it was kind of uh, a tough time when I was, you know, when it was airing for me, but yeah. I mean, I had probably the most fun and my closest friends actually probably from, from the show are, I was made, were made on bachelor pad. Now, I, I, now, I don't know if you would have been considered a, a villain per se on Emily season. I don't really think you were, I think it was more, that was more reserved for Kaylin. But when you left Emily season, how were you feeling about your edit at that time were you were you happy with it were you bothered by public perception i thought i thought i mean if if i'm trying to put myself back in that time frame when you left emily's season i was like okay he's just he's just a guy that got eliminated at four like i i don't remember it being too bad at that point but what were your feelings about it no it was fine um 
you know, for what I was able to see before I went to um, film Bachelor Pad, I thought it was it was great. Uh, I was able to see through episode, I believe five. Okay. Um, and then I was in Bachelor Pad, and so this was you know kind of interesting too. Is when I was it was probably like maybe the third or fourth day of filming Bachelor Pad, and it was Father's Day. Um, so we were able to call our, our dads and I called my dad and, and, you know, we're talking, he's telling me, he's like, Oh, you know, I'm not really too happy with, you know, the way they made you look in, um, I forget which episode it was. Um, and I'm like, really, you know, I was kind of surprised. So then of course that gets me thinking the whole time I'm there. Um, but yeah, from what I saw, you know, I was okay with, you know, my edit for the bachelorette. Um, I think at the end they kind of, I don't know. It kind of sucked because it made it, you know, <laughs> when she sent me home uh, during uh, hometown dates, you know, I mean, like crazy stuff. Like it made it seem like I flipped her off through the the sunroof of the limo and there really wasn't even a sunroof. They like blurred it out. I mean, I was like, how the hell, you know, Yeah. I just thought like I just thought stuff like that is just pretty ridiculous. And <laughs> but, um, you know, it is what it is. So so Bachelor Pad 3 gets going. Um, obviously, you film it in June and. It doesn't air until Bachelorette of Emily's season is over, and I and I I think you would agree this is where your reputation started to to sour. Now, in your post show apology blog that you wrote, you had said that you really actually did like Jamie Otis at the time, but there was a perception of her from the other people in the house that you listened to too much, and that's why you cut things off with her. Then there was the talk of Blakely and you hooking up after Jamie. And mm-hmm. there's a ton of things that we can get to on that season. We could do a probably a full <laughs> podcast just on Bachelor Pad Three. But overall, what what would you say your biggest mistake that season was? Um, my biggest mistake for Bachelor Pad was probably, I mean, as you mentioned, was probably kind of listening to what other people were telling me rather than just kind of going with what I would naturally do. Uh, I did, I did like Jamie. I thought. You know, I she was great. She was a nice, sweet girl, and and stuff. And Blakely, I had zero. I mean, there wasn't one part of me that was interested in Blakely. We just got partnered up at the beginning, and it just I don't know. I never, you know, I've never hooked up with Blakely, not even close. Um, but of course, you know, it made it seem like we did. But yeah, you know, uh, I shouldn't have just listened to you know the other girls that were coming off of that you know that same season with Jamie you know, saying all these, all these things about her. And obviously, you know, in this competition where we're trying to win money, it made sense for me to kind of deter or kind of get myself away from her. So I, you know, kind of had a chance of, of winning that, that, uh, that elusive prize. Yeah. And you, and you end up teaming with Sarah Newland in the finals, who you say was one of the few people that was helping you get through the tough times when that show was actually airing. And you guys, Mm. You guys didn't win. That went to Nick and Rachel. But how bad did it get for you while the show was airing? Ugh, it was horrible. Like, <laughs> you know, um, you know, you can't really prepare yourself for that. I honestly had, you know, I knew I was, I wasn't like acting great all the time while I was filming, and I just didn't think it was they were. Gonna, it was just going to be that bad uh, when it was when it was airing, and um, I wasn't mentally prepared for it. Um, at all. I don't think you really can be. And, um, I think the worst part was, is, you know, for me, like I can handle all that personally cause it's me. Uh, so I'm responsible for my own self, but you know, having my parents, you know, read stuff that, that people are, you know, saying about me that, 
that normally wouldn't, you know, say stuff like that about me um, and seeing them hurt. Uh, that was, that was the worst part. Um, and trying to, I don't know. I mean, every day, you know, it was something new. So it was like, there was no, there's nothing that was going to make it better except for, you know, time for it to kind of disappear. Yeah. And I brought this up to a couple other contestants and it, it's something that I harp on a lot when it, when it comes to people and things they say and like, the audience reacts like, I can't believe they said that, or I can't believe they, they acted this way. And I've always, I don't want to say, I don't want, I don't know if I want to call it defending, but I always say, look, when they're filming this show, like if you're on, if you're on bachelor, you're filming from September to November, it doesn't air till January. Like when you're sitting in an ITM room in October and you're getting asked questions, you're not thinking about any repercussions that this answer is going to have in February. It just doesn't, right. it doesn't cross your mind. You're just saying stuff and sometimes, you know, I know it happens. Sometimes you're just saying stuff so the producers will get you out of the ITM because you don't want to be there anymore. You want to go exactly. to bed, you know? So I get yeah. it in that aspect. But, you know, when when you're talking about what happened on Pad and when you're talking about what happened with Jamie, was there was there ever a part of you in the in the middle of that filming that was saying to yourself, "Man, this is this is not going to look good." Or were you wrapped up in all of it to think about the possible repercussions? Uh, honestly, there wasn't any time during filming where I thought it was going to end up bad for me. Um, the only person I was honestly concerned about was was Blakely because she's just she's a little bit, you know, um, outspoken. Yeah. <laughs> so she's pretty in- intimidating woman. Um, but <laughs> honestly, I there wasn't at any time that I think it was going to be as bad as it was. I thought maybe, you know, something like off the wall that all of us were doing, you know, but rather it be like skinny dipping in the pool or, you yeah. know, drinking uh, too much or, or something like that. Or maybe like a joke I made about somebody you're like, maybe that concerned me a little bit, but not the way that it, it went. I mean, I not, I didn't think that for a second that it was, you know, going to look like I slept with three different girls and yeah. I was sleeping with Blakely and Jamie was standing there looking at us. I mean, that never even happened. So I was just like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for, you know, <laughs> my family to see that either. I was going to say, what do you, what did you think the worst thing that aired was? But I would guess that would be it. The fact that, they oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, I did, I did sleep in the same bed as Blakely early on, but it, I don't know how they even did it. Well, I guess that doesn't matter, but, um, yeah, you know, I was laying in the bed with her, and it made it seem like Jamie was standing there watching us like hook up <laughs> in yeah. the same bedroom, which was totally not true. And of course, you know, when Jamie sees that on TV, it's like, holy crap, that's this guy's an asshole. Excuse me. Um, no, you can curse. We can curse okay. on the podcast. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so you know, I that was definitely definitely the worst part for me. I think, and if I remember correctly, I, I could be remembering this wrong, but if I remember correctly, Jamie, <laughs> when that episode aired, I'm almost positive that Jamie took to Facebook and absolutely just annihilated you without naming you. If I if I remember, like took to social media somewhere and mm-hmm. made, and, and wasn't really happy with you about that. Did that happen or am I not remembering that correctly? No, it definitely happened. Okay. <laughs> it definitely okay. happened. Uh, and rightfully so, you know, yeah. the way it looks like if I were in her position, I would be pretty, pretty pissed too. And, yeah. um, it just was bad. Cause you know what, if, if it was done differently and if it was like all nice and everything was all perfect and stuff, I probably would have had a good time and 
you know, maybe went on dates with Jamie or, or whatever. Um, but it just, it was just, um, yeah, it was a, it was kind of like a hurricane yeah. at, at one point there with the girls. So if, if you and Sarah, this is a hypothetical question, but since you guys got close, I figured I might ask it. If you and Sarah had gotten voted into the finals instead of Nick and Rachel, would you have done what Nick did? Oh, no way. No, Sarah was, uh, I okay. understand. I completely If I was Nick, um, in that position that he was in, I would have done what he did, but okay, that, Sarah, that was going to be mean, my next question. Like, do you, yeah. okay. Do you agree with what Nick did? A hundred percent. I was so happy when he did it too. Um, just because I don't know, everyone was like making these side deals and stuff, you know, 10 grand for you, 10 grand for you. And I'm just sitting over there trying to figure out the best way for people to get to vote for us. And, yeah. and Nick, and, I mean, Rachel didn't do anything to even be there. I thought Nick, you know, did a pretty solid job of getting there by doing absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. So I was, you know, I was pretty pumped for him when he did that. Well, yeah, I mean, that was always, I, I've always said this and, and I thought I've heard the show's stance on bachelor pad and why they canceled it and went to, to paradise and they've said look our show is more about love and relationships it's not about our, our our show of bachelor and bachelorette is not about money so this is a this is something that we just didn't condone after a while but to me after nick did what he did in the finale i don't think there's anywhere else you could go with bachelor pad because that is the right. ultimate ending like what yeah it made no it made no sense for them to continue that keep going yeah I mean, yeah. it seems like nick just destroyed the show and dropped the ultimate mic drop Bomb. on that show because yep. Where do you go from there? Because if, unless you change up the rules, the very next season, it's just like it's almost paranoia sets in. And now everyone will be thinking, oh, God, well, he told me that he would split it with me, but or she told me she right. would split it with me. And it would just I don't know. I just didn't think I thought that was a perfect ending to that franchise. As much as that show is so much more entertaining, I think, than, oh, than Paradise yeah. ever is. Uh it's, Hands down. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it doesn't have to do anything with the show because you don't do when you're on Bachelor and Bachelorette. You don't compete in competitions unless you consider. I mean, you kind of do in some group dates. You had to, you know, compete against others to win time right. with with the lead or whatever. But um, no, that's uh, that's that's good stuff about about Bachelor Pad. But uh, before we move on here, uh, I do want to talk about our sponsor real quick and. It is SaneBox. I want to ask people a question. How many emails do you have in your inbox right now? 100, 10,000, 20,000? If your email is anything like mine, sometimes can get. The answer is way too many. Emails are essentially my business model. I'm constantly checking them pretty much all day long, but sometimes I wish I could only get the relevant ones. Then I finally learned the secret to reaching inbox zero and taking back my email sanity. It's called SaneBox, and I can't recommend it enough. Let me tell you. SaneBox sorts through your email and moves all the trivial stuff and the stuff you don't want into a different folder so the only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually get to see. Yeah, you're going to get messages from people or organizations that you don't care about. Well, there's a great feature called the black hole. You move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from that sender again. Who wouldn't love that? I've worked out a great deal for you guys. listeners. You visit SaneBox.com backslash Steve today and they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top of their two-week free trial. So you don't have to enter any credit card information unless you decide to buy. So you've got nothing to lose here. Check it out today. Let me know if you love the black hole and reaching inbox zero as much as I do. Again, it's SaneBox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com backslash Steve. So let's get to the next show that popped up. Um, 
after Bachelor Pad, it was, like we said, pretty much a shitstorm for you uh, publicly <laughs> and on social media. Um, but after Bachelor Pad, you teamed with some business partners of yours. You opened up a res- restaurant in D.C. called The Bracket Room. Tell us, tell us what went into that. Were you guys always interested in opening one up, or is it something where you thought maybe your popularity or name value from the show would definitely help? Yeah, I mean, um, it's a combination of two. I mean, there's always my, you know, my dream, my kind of career um, outlook that I want to do was open up my own restaurant. Um, you know, I went to UNLV for hospitality management and, and food and beverage uh, management. So, you know, it was, it was in my blood. You know, I did two years of culinary. So it's not something that I'm just like, oh, you know, I, you know, I have 60,000 Twitter followers now. So it makes sense to open up a restaurant or open up some kind of business. Um, you know, it was always in the talks. Um, my partner, Jeff, um, he thought it was just a good time, you know, with the publicity to, to, you know, kind of roll it out and kind of just, uh, ride that train a little bit. Um, so, you know, he's, he's out in that area, the DC area. So we agreed on, you know, opening up the, the restaurant in Arlington, which is, um, you know, it's an area, a very trendy area with, um, you know, young professionals. So it was kind of, kind of in the wheelhouse for, um, you know, what we were trying to do. So, so, um, you know, the publicity definitely helped. I mean, that first year it was just, it was unbelievable when we opened and, um, you know, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. I had read in an interview that you said after you opened up bracket room, I don't know how long after you had opened it, but not that business had suffered, but you were, you were almost kind of pushed back onto TV essentially from your partners saying like, Hey, if you're out in front of people's eyes again, and, and for a lack of a better word, you know, relevant again. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what led you to Andy C's. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, naturally, um, even, you know, even outside of the business, obviously the business being the most important part, but, um, you know, there's all these small opportunities that come up after the show, as you know, with, yeah. uh, rather be you know, an influencer on social media or these appearances and you get some extra cash, which is, which is just a bonus. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the restaurant, I wouldn't say business was suffering. Um, we obviously just weren't the, you know, the cool place like we were originally, you know, that first year, um, just because I wasn't, you know, relevant anymore. And to be honest with you, I was fine with, I was, I was pretty fine with that. <laughs> um, yeah. I was just kind of, you know, getting back to my life and, you know, all that, all that negative stuff that I was reading every day on Twitter was kind of dissipating a little bit, which was nice. And, but, you know, yeah, I got a little bit of a push from my partners to be like, Oh, you know, bunch, you try to get back on TV and get some more publicity and whatever. And I didn't really think much of it. And, but then as you know, the days kind of went on, I kind of missed it to be honest. Like I kind of missed kind of being in the spotlight, even though I was in a negative spotlight, it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of people like attention and I'm not going to lie. I, I liked attention too. And I, you know, so, um, I was kind of hungry for, for more of it. And, uh, so that's kind of where it all started. I yeah. Guess. And so when, when batch bad three is done airing your, your reputation had taken quite a hit and people were coming after you pretty good after that. And, and you double down on that. And basically, you know, you show up on Andy's season in a very, you know, unnatural way. You don't get out of the limos with the guys. You show up quote unquote unannounced and try to get on our season or turned away. I, there was an interview I remember after that, I think after the premiere aired that you did with entertainment weekly. And you specifically said like, look, this was staged. The producers obviously planned it in advance 
for you to show up during the cocktail party. But then Chris Harrison, you know, does a 180 and says, absolutely not. They had no idea. And, you know, I'm sorry. I don't believe Chris Harrison for a second. Nothing on that. Nothing on that show happens organically. This is this. That's a well-oiled machine. They know what's happening at all times. They're not just going to let someone walk up on the driveway on the first night without exact knowledge of everything that's going down. So just set the record straight on all that. Explain what went into that. I, I, I had read that you you were interested in Andy, and then you were like, hey, I think I want to go on her season, but you know, I guess casting was already done. And it had already started, and then they concocted, well, why don't we do this? Is that fair to Pretty say? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and man, did I get in trouble <laughs> the day after when I did that uh, interview with um, whoever it was, Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just no way. I mean, I could I could have done that on my own. Um, that actually probably would have been cooler if I was able to pull that off on my own. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's. I mean, you have it exactly right. I was, you know, I reached out and um, you know I had some interest in Andy. We kind of, you know, talked a little bit via social media, nothing crazy, but I'm like, all right, well, here's an opportunity for me to get back on, you know, the bachelorette, be on the, you know, the big, big screen again. And, uh, you know, I, it was just a conversation an email that I sent and it kind of took, a, you know, it got some legs and then it kept going and going. And, um, before I knew it, you know, I was, you know, getting dropped off in, in front of the house. I mean, it was, it was so awkward. You know, I thought there was going to be a little more, uh, you know, guidance once I got there, but I just was kind of just, you know, standing there <laughs> as yeah. everybody saw. So it was like, holy crap, you know, and then, you know, the vodka soda started coming. So yeah. I knew they were, you know, trying to prepare for something, but, um, I, you know, the ultimate goal there was for them to, you know, get me to run up there and try to get into the house. I mean, they even threw out Andy, uh, in the front of the front of the, front of the house so i can see her from a distance i mean it yeah. was just ridiculous i mean that's actually out of all this that's actually the thing i regret the most is is doing is going under that so when you're in talks about doing this did they say hey we'll let you do this you know we'll, we'll you know we'll fly out here and we'll set it up to where you come on in the cocktail party but we don't know what andy's gonna say or did they have you believing that you were gonna be a contestant and then that happened you're like oh great this is gonna come off awful well, yeah. I mean, I, in my mind, I thought I would at least have the chance to like talk to her, <laughs> you oh. know, and, and have some kind of shot at, um, at maybe staying. Um, I was probably 50, 50 and all right, maybe I'll stay, maybe I won't, but here I am. Um, but it just, you know, it didn't, it didn't pan out like that. So once I was there for like 45 minutes and I was just standing there, I was like, oh, this is going to be really bad. Um, and there was no turning back, you know, there's no deleting what just happened. Yeah, and at, at, at that point, at that time, where you felt maybe it was possible redemption time for you and you wanted to change the narrative about you, or are you at a point where you're in a phase of being consumed by just being on TV and you, you did that just to be on TV again? Uh, no, I would say, I mean, a little bit of both. Um, you know, I... I just, like I said, you know, the spotlight was, was definitely a lot dimmer on me and I was, you know, I was fine with that. And, um, but yeah, going back on and I guess kind of getting that, uh, that spotlight back a little bit was kind of, was kind of my, my biggest motive to be honest and to yeah. obviously fix my reputation. Well, and this is another thing that I've talked about with contestants. I think I've written about it numerous times is when, when you're on, when you're a contestant on that show and somebody that lasted, 
and you last for a, a fairly decent amount of time, five, six episodes. In your case, you lasted eight on Emily's season and you were basically on all of Bachelor Pad is, you know, this, this taste of, you know, Hollywood, I guess, because you're basically as a contestant on a reality show, show you're, you're treated very, very well. Like you have people waiting on you hand and foot. You get mm-hmm. to travel without spending a dime. Uh, you're, you're getting flown all over to different countries. You're, you're be, like I said, you're being waited on hand and foot. There is, I think it's natural for somebody to become, um, not obsessed, but to, to want that and to be back in that. And then the after effects of that is plenty of strangers on the internet and just random people and increasing Twitter followers, increasing Instagram followers, all these people telling you, you know, as many negative comments as there were, there are plenty of positive people out there that, you know, are, essentially stroking your ego and saying like, Mm -hmm. how this was great, or I love the way you handled yourself or whatever the case may be. And so, yeah, there is a part of you that sees that and can see wanting to go back to that. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you nailed it. Um, You know, once you get a taste of that, especially like you said, if you're on it for a while and once you get off of it and you're, and you get all that attention that you've never had before in your whole life outside of, you know, your family and your close friends, um, you know, random people saying all these good things about you, all these bad things about you. You're like, wow, this is, you know, pretty cool taking pictures with people out on the streets. You're like, and, you know, you're used to just seeing, you know, that celeb- like real celebrities on TV and that happening to them. So yeah, you get a little bit obsessed with it, especially, you know, me, I was, you know, I was young. I mean, I was 25 and I was like, this is probably the coolest thing that's happened to me. I didn't even have to do it. I didn't have to try. Um, it just kind of happened. Um, so it was, you know, the taste of the spotlight can definitely take you, um, in different directions. Yeah. No, there's, there's, there's no doubt about that. You're not the only person it's happened to. It just happened to you. You know, you just went on more shows than anybody else, but we'll get, we'll, we'll get <laughs> right. to, we'll get to, to Nick in a second. Cause Nick's only one behind you. Um, yep. but, um, so bachelor in paradise, the first season of that show rolls around and you're fresh off getting destroyed on on pad three and this, you know, pretty much a disaster of a performance on Andy's season. So <laughs> they come to you with bachelor in paradise and you're on it. I think you show up in, you know, three days in or whatever, four days in, you weren't part of the original cast, but you were the first in the first group of guys that came in. Did you have any hesitation at that time about doing that thinking America isn't a fan of me, this isn't going to help. Or you were thinking (laughs) complete opposite, like hoping you were going to use this as your redemption tour. Yeah, Steve. I mean, honestly, it was always, for me, it was always going back to do these things to help repair my, you know, yeah, exactly. To repair. Um, Just because that's kind of the person I am. I don't, you know, I feel like I should always have to be doing something to make something that's not that great better. Um, so I thought this was another opportunity for me, for me to do that. So I'm like, all right, let's, you know, let's do it. Um, so that's why I decided to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it is what it is. You arrive in week two, you have a, a thing going on with Elise, but you quit the following week. Elise goes home with you somehow, some way, the paparazzi were waiting at the airport for you and Elise. I don't know. I still am confused to this day. That had to have been set up because why would they know to be waiting for Chris Bukowski and Elise Myers at the Chicago right. airport? Um, I believe well, it, wasn't, it wasn't me. Okay. okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe, I believe you actually, you did start dating her post show, correct? 
Yeah, bit. we did a little bit. Okay. Um, that was interesting to say the least. I mean, um, it, uh, talk about <laughs> talk about that relate. Like, was that a real relationship? Did you actually like her, or was this something to continue <sighs> post show to just kind of yeah. keep it out there? I don't have a mean word to say about Elise. She's she's actually a, a very sweet girl. Um, but I definitely, you know, when I was there, obviously, um, well, not obviously, but um, you know. I thought like the whole relationship, finding finding a good relationship on Paradise, uh, would help repair my my image. Yeah. Uh, just be, you know, um, I you know at least came home and she met my family and we had a great time for a couple of weeks uh, while we were there. They flew us back. I don't know. Yeah, they flew us back to um, to Mexico for the finale. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was crazy, man. It was um, there was a time where you know they were trying to push me to actually propose. That was, um, that was on, that was honestly one of my next questions. Cause it was a rumor that I had heard as well that, um, yeah. that because you guys came back for the finale, but if I'm not mistaken, that was never shown. You were never shown anywhere in the finale, right? Correct. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of like a free week vacation where I was just having panic attacks in my room because I, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to, uh, honestly, I don't, it would have been the, the craziest thing uh, and probably the biggest mistake ever if I did uh, propose, but yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. It did, you know, it did cross my mind. I mean, I had the ring in my hand and this was after knowing her for like three weeks. It was just the, <laughs> would have been the dumbest thing ever. Um, and I'm glad I decided not to, even though, you know, the producers were obviously upset with me. I mean, listen, I, they sent us back there, no cameras. We got to share the same room and everything we wanted, you know, we had, um, and then I decided, I'm like, I can't, you know, there's no way I can do this. I mean, they even let us keep our phones, which was crazy. Um, hmm. Yeah. So I just ended up not doing it. And then after that, uh, you know, me and Elise still hung out and stuff, but uh, it just kind of died, died out. So it's one of these things where you, and just when you're talking about Bachelor and Bachelorette, those couples deal with it as well. Like, and you know what? I don't even want to talk about the lead per se. I'm talking about now with how big social media is with these couples and knowing that if you date someone within the franchise, it certainly helps your image because sure. people will write about it. People will talk about it. Oh, I love you two together. And you know, you post Instagram pictures and there's been plenty of hookups uh, within the franchise that, you know, never happened on the original show, never happened on paradise, but it's a way f to keep your name out there. So I'm guessing, yeah, that probably had something to do with, why the Elise thing maybe lasted longer than it should have or whatever the case may be. But it's certainly, you know, you're, you're off two not great performances with bachelor pad three and Andy season. <laughs> it would make sense for you to be like, God, if I have a good relationship out of this and they see me like settle down with this girl, um, yep. you know, maybe it'll work out well for me, but yeah, that's probably a good idea. You didn't propose to her because I think that would have oh, been... been bad. Could you imagine what you would have said about Oh me? my gosh. Like I would have been like, <laughs> because it, it, it would have been obvious it would have been like geez he's right. like he's taking it to a, a the hundredth degree of trying to re repair it at least just date her and and whatnot right. but it was it was something that what was the other thing didn't you get injured on on the first season of paradise didn't you hurt your ankle or something yeah, like, I, I tore my uh meniscus oh that's right <laughs> Jeez. oh wow what a mess how did you oh it was like you slipped on a rock or something like that no they it? didn't even show it i was literally walking out of the ocean and i hit like um i don't know something but uh i locked my knee and then my knee like blew up 
So they take me. I don't. They think. I think they showed it actually on on the show where they took me to the hospital and stuff. But um, <laughs> it was crazy. I was taking like these crazy like painkillers out there, and I just had to go home. <laughs> it was nuts. Man, I told. I just stuff's coming to me as I because gosh, it's just there's so many seasons and so many contestants and so many storylines yeah. that sometimes you don't remember this stuff. But yeah, I do remember you getting hurt. Was that your reasoning on the show for leaving? Was it? Look, I'm injured, or it was also wasn't it coupled with like I just, I just I want out, or what was your? I, I remember yeah. you left the show at the rose ceremony. Like I'm just not doing this anymore. And Elise yeah, I mean, followed you half and half. Like I mean, I was in pretty. It was pretty frustrating, kind of not being able to walk around that place because like you're literally living on like rocks. Um, yeah. Um, it wasn't comfortable even before I messed up my leg, um, and then I was over it. To be honest with you, I was just kind of done with it. It was just, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't fun. It was the opposite of fun, actually. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just had it, and they, we agreed that I could, I could leave. So that's that's kind of why I left. So after the first season of Paradise, now where are you mentally with everything? Like, where do you, where was it on social media with you, and then inside your own head, where were you with like what? I don't, yeah, I don't, where were you? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, it actually wasn't too bad after, um, the first season of paradise. Um, you know, I was on there for three episodes and I didn't really do anything stupid, um, besides almost propose, but they didn't see that. Thank God. Um, so I was okay, you know, getting back to, you know, normal life and, and business and stuff. And mentally I was getting better. Uh, the social media stuff was fine. Um, so yeah, I was actually in a decent place. You know, I wasn't dating a, you know, Elise or anybody. So I was kind of just uh, a free agent and doing my thing. And then the second season of Bachelor in Paradise rolls around, and I don't even remember that one. Yeah, that was um, <laughs> that was almost like your Andy appearance because it was like it was very short. You were there for literally a hot minute. You didn't go on any dates. Um, I believe you specifically came on to find a date for your sister's wedding, but everyone had pretty much paired up already and it was your final appearance on the show, but really it didn't, it didn't need to happen. So I, I mean, outside of going on there to find a date for your sister's wedding, could, could you have not found that someone somewhere else or like what was that another uh, just product of, I just wanted yeah. attention here. It was another, let's get back into do this again. I mean, you know, obviously they have to approach me of, of wanting to actually do this. And, um, they reached out to me to, to film earlier on, but I told, you know, the producers that I have my sister's wedding, uh, which would be in the middle of filming. Um, so they came up with the idea of, okay, why don't you try to come on and find a date to your sister's wedding? Obviously I clear it with my sister because that's her day. I don't want to take the spotlight away from her. She was okay with it. I wish she wasn't. Um, Um, but, uh, yeah, so I went and I mean, I sat there for like five days in this, you know, room as we do normally, but they weren't, I wasn't going on or anything. And then they finally asked, told me this morning, you know, it was like 10 in the morning. They're like, all right, you're going on today. And I'm like, you know, excited, probably lost about eight pounds from not eating any food out there. And yeah, first thing I do is, you know, I'm probably about two, (laughs) two glasses of, vodka soda deep before I even, uh, see anybody. And it was, I honestly, it was just, it was bad, man. It was honestly probably great that it happened to me because then I finally realized I'm like, all right, I can't do this anymore. Um, I honestly, I don't remember it. I remember waking up the next day and I'm like, Oh crap. Um, 
I did it again. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was, that was, that was a tough one for me. Yeah. And you know, you, you show up on an edition of after paradise. I think it was the, uh, the after paradise where that episode aired and you officially retired from the show. You gave a speech, you apologized, you admitted you had become obsessed with being on TV. They re- they retired your jersey, and uh, and to, and to your credit, you haven't gone back, and nor have I seen you involved in you know too much bachelor related stuff. And and I'll say this: if I'm being totally honest, if you don't make that speech on the show and subsequent subsequently write a a blog post about it afterwards, basically apologizing more in depth for your actions and what you did, I would have had zero interest in you coming on this podcast. I mean, you just would have been to me just another guy from this franchise that you know, took himself way too seriously, didn't see the error of his ways. And I would really care less about your story, but I Mm -hmm. I thought it took a lot of balls for you to admit your mistakes in front of a national televised audience. And, and I respected that. So what, what made you do it? I mean, that had to have been pretty hard on you to, to do that. I remember when you gave the speech on after paradise, it was obviously probably coming through on a teleprompter. You had a very short time frame. I thought your blog post, uh, after that, I think it was the next day that you posted was a lot more in depth, obviously, because, you know, they had TV restraints and you couldn't just write everything you wanted to. But even just that two, two and a half minutes where you did that, that, that had to not have been easy for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, when I was writing that blog post, um, I had no idea that I was actually going to be on after paradise. Um, so it was for me, you know, I started doing some writing and stuff. I was, you know, part of this uh, startup, this, um, it was called rant media at the time. Yeah. And I was doing some writing and I just kind of gave my, it was kind of a therapy session for me and it was just putting everything on paper and, uh, how I felt and, you know, why it's kind of weighing me down, who I wanted to apologize to. I mean, it felt so, so good to actually just get it out onto paper. And, you know, I had, um, a couple media outlets outside of rant that were going to pick it up that's all it was going to be. I was just going to put that out and, um, um, just be done with it. And, uh, they got, you know, they got wind of it over at, um, uh, production, uh, ABC. And, uh, then they reached out to me to, um, see if I wanted to come on after paradise. Obviously they wanted to make a couple edits and stuff. And, uh, you know, they wrote up this, they pieced together this um, apology on the teleprompter that was kind of off of my my um, my post that I did there and yeah and I read it um, but you know it was perfect for me to be honest with you because I was able to reach so many more people because as that was airing I actually had someone push out that blog post as it was airing um, so I was able to reach a lot more people since I was you know on the TV on the TV at the time yeah and I like I said I'm gonna I'm gonna link to the to the post when uh, we put this up for people that never saw it or didn't know about it. And uh, I have, I have a link to it and I'll, I'll put it up when the podcast goes up uh, today on Thursday. And then, you know, I think one of the most powerful things that you've done since retiring is you wrote a piece on how you suffered from anxiety and depression, even, even long before you were ever really on the show. I, I, I can't imagine being on the show and getting universally slammed by internet <laughs> trolls and strangers did anything to help your anxiety. I mean, can you talk a little bit more about like when your anxiety started, how it affected you, what being mm-hmm. on the show did for it and kind of where you're at now with it? 
Yeah. Um, so it started in college. I mean, everyone gets anxiety. I didn't even know what it was. Um, and I just kind of had a, a panic attack when I was in college that took me to the emergency room, um, scared the hell out of me. Um, so, you know, over time I was on and off medicine to help me with anxiety. Um, but you know, what helped me actually with my anxiety was before, when I got asked to go on the bachelorette the first time, I really kind of, you know, turned my health around. I was, you know, working out more and that helps and stuff. But, you know, the, the downfall of it is, you know, I was nervous, you know, on these shows, at, especially at first. So that kind of, you know, it's no excuse, but, you know, I was drinking and it was helping me kind of um, relieve my anxiety. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it's just a perfect, it's a perfect storm. I mean, you can only mask that. Um, but at the same time, you know, as I've gotten older, a little more mature and, you know, getting beat up from these shows and stuff, I've, you know, I've been able to kind of, kind of cap it a bit and, um, and, and work with it more. And, you know, the the anxiety definitely leads to depression. Um, never was I like manically depressed by any means, but, you know, after the shows and after, you know, um, all the negativity, you know, it didn't help, but at the same time, overcoming that. And, um, being able to do that apology letter, all that stuff helped me. And I think, you know, being able to express myself and be more honest with myself and with people really helped. And I'm, I mean, I'm in a much better place now, um, because of it. So I don't, you know, all this experience I did on the shows and stuff, I, I don't regret it because I think it's actually made me, you know, a better person as cliche as that sounds. No, I, there's nothing, it sounds cliche, but if it certainly helped and you learned from it, like there's. There's the people that say it, but don't follow up. Like if you would have made that apology on the show and written that apology and then somehow just kept doing bachelor appearances and kept in that loop, it just would have, it would have, it would have come across as very insincere. I would have been like, just, he's just saying what he thinks people want to hear, but you have, you've pretty much stayed out of it. I don't, I don't know if you're even, I mean, I'm sure you keep in touch with people, but you don't do a lot of bachelor related things anymore. Do you? No, I don't. I don't. I try not to watch it. <laughs> I try yeah. not to anything. Um, you know, I started unfollowing like um, different media outlets that cover it. Um, I do follow you, though. Um, but I just I was just I was so consumed with it everywhere I was going. It was, you know, something bachelor related. And I just kind of had to I had to get away from it. And I don't honestly, I, I don't do anything really bachelor related besides keep in touch with some of my friends that I made from the show. And, and it's great. I mean, I have my Monday nights back. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, it's kind of, it's, you know, a world, a different world that was taking up a lot of my time that uh, I find a lot more valuable now. Would you say, you know, with your anxiety, was there ever a point on any of the five appearances on the show where maybe we didn't see it, but you had an anxiety attack? Like it, it got bad on the show to where maybe you were close to leaving or something like that? Or was it, while you were being filmed, was it pretty much under control and you were able to take your medicine? Yeah. I mean, there were times, I mean, in the morning, right. I'd have such bad anxiety. I'd be throwing up, um, especially later on bachelorette. I was fine. Um, as we went on bachelor pad was pretty bad. Um, paradise was pretty bad. It's just, you know, being in those kind of, um, environments that definitely didn't help my anxiety. Um, yeah. And I was drink. I mean, the drinking is what, made it the worst and it's so hard i mean to stay away from the drinking and all that when everyone's doing it and there's you know really not much to do so you're just drinking and have a good time and you know it's my fault but at the same time it was just that was really 
a constant mask of my anxiety was to drink. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very unhealthy, very bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can imagine that it just couldn't have, couldn't have helped at all. And well, and you know what, from that, you know, people thought like I was an alcoholic, but I honestly, Steve, I'm, I'm a very, um, I don't drink at all pretty much now, maybe once or twice, uh, you know, a weekend, um, you know, throughout the month, but it's nothing that I never, I really ever like enjoyed. Um, but you know, it got the best of me. So I learned to enjoy it as little as possible these days. Well, yeah, as long as you, you know, took something out of it and, you know, learned lessons from it and followed through with those lessons, you can't, you can't fault anybody for it. And like you said, you can't blame the alcohol for any sort of behavior that you had, but you know, and we know, Anybody that has watched this show for years are, are very well aware. I mean, we don't see it as much. I mean, sometimes they they make it known with certain contestants uh, that they're big drinkers, like Ed on you know your season of Pad. They that was his that was his character. He was the trunk, and they mm-hmm. showed him doing silly things in the you know jacuzzi by himself, and because he was so hammered. But with you, it was never like that. But we know that they just feed people alcohol on this show, guys and girls, because they know mm-hmm. that that's going to generate, you know, some classic ITM moments and stuff like that. And it's just all about controlling it. And yeah, it is hard when everyone else is doing it and you're that age and you're on television. It's just like you don't want to be the sore thumb that sticks out. And, right. you know, you do what you can. And unfortunately for you, at times it, it did, it reared its ugly head. But, you know, once you retired from everything, you actually moved out of Chicago and moved to L.A. And when let me tell you, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, God, I thought he was retiring from all this stuff. And now he's <laughs> and now he's moving to Southern California like he's trying to make it an entertainment. And I was like, this is not good. Like, I wanted to believe this guy, but that hasn't really been the case. I mean, tell us what you're involved in now. Yeah. So oddly enough, actually, um, you know, so my focus through most of this was my restaurants. Um, you know, they were in DC we have two in the airports out in DC. And, um, I just wanted to get away from that, even the social scene, you know, being around, you know, alcohol and just that atmosphere in general. So I, um, my buddy, um, that I grew up with, he start he had a startup out, uh, in Southern California. Um, he needed some consultant work. Uh, so I actually came on board to do some fundraising, some marketing, um, you know, it's supposed to be a 90 day, type deal in and out. Um, you know, I ended up staying on, um, we, we actually, the company sold, so that was, you know, good for everybody. And, um, I started my own thing out here and, you know, I've been out here ever since. Um, I stay out of that, you know, the whole Hollywood scene. I mean, I'm kind of tucked away in a more quiet area and, uh, you're in Orange County. You're in Orange County now, right? I was in, I was in Orange County before I'm in uh, Marina Del Rey right now, so I'm on okay. the west side of LA. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, I went I went to college at Loyola Marymount, so I'm very. Oh yeah, right down the area. street. Yeah, so, um, what is what is it that you're doing now? This there's a fitness thing that you're involved with. Tell us tell us about that. Yeah, so this is great. Um, it's called Forte Fit. It's um, essentially a fitness platform. Um, it's like Netflix, Netflix but for fitness. Um, oh, gotcha. Okay. It, yeah, we started it. I mean, this was kind of on the ground floor a couple of years ago. Uh, we publicly launched it about eight weeks ago, and it's um, it's taken off. It's great. Uh, my friend, she started out in New York, and um, I'm part of the the founding group. So we've been uh, focusing on that, and 
kind of my day-to-day money maker, my revenue maker is um, I have a small web uh, design development company. Uh, it's called KCM Create. Um, we we do all sorts of marketing solutions as well. We do, you know, stuff that you're probably familiar with, with, um, SEO and SEM and, yeah. um, all that internet marketing, uh, you know, alongside of web design and, and web development. And through all this, you've gotten yourself a girlfriend. <laughs> I did. So, yes. so tell us about your girl. How'd you meet her? Did she know you from the show? And if she did, how did she put that Chris past you know, the Chris that she knows now, um, what did she say about your TV time? If she know, tell us, tell us about her. Yeah. So this is actually kind of a, a, a crazy story. Um, I went to school in, in Vegas. So college, which was, geez, uh, 12 years ago now when I started there. Yeah. Um, and so my suite mate in my dorm is, uh, was my friend Marcus and it's actually Carly, my current girlfriend. It was her cousin. So I actually met her like 10 years ago or whatever. Okay. And, uh, when I moved out to LA, you know, naturally I was just looking for some friends, um, because I didn't, you know, want to stay away from the whole bachelor group here. So, um, uh, I was friends with her on Facebook. So I just messaged her on Facebook and, uh, asked her if she, you know, want to meet up for lunch or something. And, um, after that, I mean, we were like inseparable. So she, um, you know, she knew that I was on the show and stuff, but, she never really watched it, which was probably good. Um, yeah. but you know, she, her friends, you know, her friends obviously have seen the show and knew me and stuff, but she's just a great girl. I mean, she's very self-motivated. We live very kind of parallel lives when it comes to our careers and stuff. She's, um, she just gets after it and we just kind of compliment each other really well. So, I mean, we've been together for about a year now, so it's going strong. Do you guys live together? Yeah, we live together. Yep. Okay. Very nice. Um, yeah. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, I don't know if any p- people were aware of that and whatever the case may be, but um, um congratulations. That's Thank great. you. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. She's uh, she grounds me very well. Who would you say right now are your closest friends from the franchise? Who do you still keep in touch with on on a regular, somewhat regular basis? Yeah. Um, Guys Jacqueline, and girls. Jacqueline Schwartz is definitely my closest friend. Um, from the show. Um, we've been good friends since bachelor pad and, uh, we talk, uh, at least text. I mean, at least a couple times a week. Um, you know, she lives in Chicago now. I'm not there anymore, but we used to hang out all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's definitely the person I'm closest with. And then, um, you know, Kalen, I see Kalen once in a while since he's out in the LA area. Um, well, t- tell me if this is true or not. Is Kalen work for TMZ? Is that what I heard? Uh, he did. He did for a hot minute for like, uh, couple months oh really okay yeah it's funny because when i was releasing that um that letter the apology letter they were they were trying to to get it from me and he was the one that was kind of leading that oh okay yeah yeah um so after all this you know you look back on it what's been the biggest i mean i don't want to say i don't want to say regret because i read in an interview you don't you don't like using the word regret when it comes to this but what would you say is the biggest thing you took from this whole experience? Oh, the biggest thing, I mean, it's been, you know, five years I kind of did this. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, it's kind of to not lose sight of who you are or where you come from. Cause I definitely did that. Um, I kind of got lost in the attention. Um, I got very selfish, um, and kind of put, 
you know, family secondary, my friends secondary, where I was just putting myself um, ahead of everything. And that that is just exactly the opposite of who I really am. And I got call, caught up in that. And after through all of that, I mean, as you know, there was very high moments, too, for me. But I'll, I mean, none of that is as important as to the relationships that were already, you know, so meaningful and close to me before I had that TV run. Um, and it took a lot of that to realize. And you know what? It, it was great because now I value, not that I did it before, I value my my family and my friendships so much more now than I've, I've ever had before. Well, that's good to hear. And I think one thing that you mentioned in your your retirement blog post was how much this being on this show and doing it as many times as you did affected your relationship with your dad, like to the point where you guys stopped talking to each other or he wouldn't talk to you. Maybe, I mean, maybe that was maybe poor. Yeah. You know, my, yeah, my dad, he kind of got lost in the media stuff and, you know, as a parent, you're used to not, you you don't, you, you know, you can't prepare yourself for that. And, uh, you know, he was used to reading articles about me playing baseball in high school, not, uh, you know, people ripping on me for, you know, kissing, making out with two girls. And so it was, yeah. uh, it was tough. And, you know, we're both very competitive people. I mean, we're the exact same person. So we just started banging heads a lot and, uh, it was bad. I mean, yeah, three, four months, we just, we just weren't, I mean, he was like my best friend. So it was, um, you know, it was tough. And, um, now we're we're back to where you know we need to be now, so that's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely good to hear. And you know, one final thought on the before we get to the rapid ten questions to ra- to wrap this thing up. You know, I had mentioned it earlier in the podcast about the fact that you know Nick is just coming off his fourth show with the franchise. I I would think he's done at this point, but I guess you never know. But do you? does it kind of maybe get to you a little bit or does it kind of bother you to where, you know, you being on the show five times have taken all this heat for, Oh my God, this guy, fame whore and all the, you've heard it all. And mm-hmm. whereas Nick has been on four times and maybe is looked at as a much more sympathetic figure as you, or is it just like, you know, whatever, let people say what they say. I mean, yeah, I mean at the beginning, like it, it did bother me a little bit. Um, but he just he I, I hate saying it this way, but he played the game better um, <laughs> as far as, you know, getting to where he is now, you know, getting to be the bachelor, um, you know. But at the same time, you need a lot of help getting there, too. Um, so, uh, you know, on Paradise, they turned his whole character around. I mean, I like Nick. I know Nick. You know, he's uh, Chicago. You know, well, he's an Iowa guy or Wisconsin guy. Sorry. But, uh, you know, he was in Chicago. I hung out with him a few times. And, um, you know, he just, he, he, um, got the benefit of the doubt and, um, you know, he took advantage of it. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, he's, you know, this was a guy that was, I mean, I would say one of the top five villains of the show after his appearances on Andy and Caitlin's season. And then with his bachelor in paradise this past summer, like literally did a one eighty and got people to like him somehow and then turn that into being the bachelor and now he's got dance with the stars. So yeah, I mean, it it certainly has worked for him, but you know, I guess it all depends on what our definition of the word, you know, worked for. Is it, this has ended up working out for you because you've separated yourself from it. You learned a lot from it. You grew from it. And 
you're completely removed from it now. So technically it worked for you as well, just in a completely, you know, different way. And, you know, who knows if Nick is going through right now what you were going through a couple of years ago, where it's just sure. the obsession of constantly being out there. Like, you know, his finale with Vanessa aired last Monday night. I, I, I haven't been able to go on an entertainment site and not seen him and Vanessa you know, out in LA and hobnobbing with the D list celebrities at, at restaurants now. And it's mm-hmm. just like, is that it's, it's tough for me to buy. Is it okay? Is he really into her or is he just loving this attention that he's getting like three times now we've gotten pictures of them by the paparazzi, just leaving dinner at, at some, mm-hmm. you know, chic restaurant in LA. And it's just, you know, it's, it's tough because the social media aspect of the show is, com- has completely changed. I, when you were on Emily's season, it wasn't like this at all. I mean, right. it's more so for the female contestants to pitch product when they get off the show. It's not not as much on a guy end, the Instagram stuff, but we've seen it now. I mean, it is just a different animal now on this show. And knowing once you're off The Bachelor or Bachelorette, you've got this you know minor league show of of paradise to where it's like, okay, well, I don't care if I get engaged on The Bachelor. I want to meet so-and-so from another season. I'm trying out for paradise, and that's where – you know, the, the girls who get no airtime on Nick's season start yapping away at the women tell all. And so, because, you know, they're told to like, Hey, you know, you want to be on paradise kind of a, might want to make a name for yourself and start saying stuff. And it's just a vicious cycle. And you went through it and you got taken through the ringer, um, and then got (laughs) spit out and you were basically left to be like, what, what the hell just happened? And, it's almost like you're thrown in a tornado and then you're just all of a sudden back on solid ground. You're like, Whoa, what, what did, what just happened? And mm-hmm. you can tell there are other people going through it now. And it's just, um, I mean, any advice for those people, uh, any advice for the contestants that just seem to be obsessed with the, the Instagram and the constant attention after the fact? Um, well, yeah. Um, make the money while you can. Yeah. That's the, that's the first advice. Um, second advice is don't get too caught up into it because it's not going to last forever. Um, well, at least for most of us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, just like I said, for me, it was really kind of finding what, what I really valued in my life. And it wasn't, it wasn't the attention. It wasn't the TV time. Um, it wasn't any of that. And so if people can kind of know that before they go through that whole process of trying to keep on, keep on getting, you know, keeping, um, the relevance, just keep that in mind. Um, as there's, uh, you know, a lot more things that are more important out there than, um, you know, your 15 minutes per se. Yeah. Um, so let's get to the rapid 10. This is where I'm going to ask you 10 questions, not all show related. Uh, there are a couple in there that are, but, um, mostly just more of a, kind of get to know Chris kind of deal and just some things that I came up with either just doing research and, and whatnot. So I'm just going to ask 10 questions uh, and just answer them as you please. So you ready? Okay. Here we go. Question number one, you are a sports fan and attended UNLV. Were you obsessed with the Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogden teams of the early nineties? Like growing up? I I wasn't obsessed with them growing up, but I became obsessed with them later on. Oh, interesting. So you yeah. weren't, you didn't follow when, when you were there at UNLV, what years were you at UNLV? Uh, I was there from 2005 to 2009. Okay. I can't remember. I, they weren't, 
No, the Stacey Og, they were in the nineties, but, but yeah, I mean, my dad was a huge, was a huge fan. So I knew about them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a huge UNLV basketball fan. Uh, so that's to answer that question. Okay. Uh, question number two, do you have any special talents that we don't know about other than appearing (laughs) on the show? A record number my of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my talent is being able to <laughs> convince people to let me on the TV show. <laughs> um, special talents. Um, I wouldn't really say it's special, but it's definitely unique. I can so I can I can walk on my toes. I can actually curl my toes over and walk on them um, and jump on them and run on them. It's um, it's pretty disturbing, but um, I've been yeah I've been doing it since I was little. That's like ballet kind of stuff. Like that's what. Oh, it's it's worse, man. I got these long toes, so I just can curl them under and like. There's like it's weird. I have like muscles on my toes. It's the creepiest thing ever. But uh, yeah, I can walk on them. <laughs> and run and jump too. Like that's even oh, more yeah. br- like the walking part. I was like, oh okay, but the fact that you can like function as a normal human by curling your toes. That's wow. Yeah. That is a special talent. I don't yeah, it's pretty unique. <laughs> um. Question number three. I know there's probably a list of things because it's an incredibly difficult industry to be in, but what would you say is the single toughest thing about owning a restaurant? Oh, getting caught up, um, getting caught up on the consumer side of things um, as far as, um, you know, being the socialite and uh, getting, you know, going to your restaurant and, uh, you know, hosting people but drinking with them. You got to stay away from that and make sure, you know, business is first. Um, so you host people, but make sure that, you know, you're not getting too involved and too, too loose, I guess, uh, on a nightly basis. Now, are you still involved in the three bracket rooms or you still have a stake in those or what, what has happened? Like, what is your, because I know they're all out in DC. You said there's one in, in, in Arlington and then there's two at the airports. Are there other, D- bracket rooms opening up are you still a part of that what is your affiliation with bracket room right now yeah so i still have my stake um i don't really deal with the day-to-day anymore um it's more of a month-to-month basis for me uh we actually had a group uh, an airport group that came in and purchased the rights to our brand that's putting us into these airports um so that's great because uh, they run all the management and do all the hiring and the day-to-day stuff. Um, so there's actually some plans um, right now. We're working on a location uh, in Chicago on UIC's campus. So that's kind of where we're at with the, with the restaurants at the moment. Nice. Okay. Question number four, what was the most difficult challenge on bachelor pad? Not being on the show, the actual challenges that you did. What was the hardest uh, one? The hardest one. Well, Probably it's, I mean, those challenges were so awful, but, uh, the, um, the obstacle course one that was outside. Wasn't that really um, like, like, like slipping around in ice cream or something like that, or maybe it was yeah, uh, yeah, whipped cream yeah, yeah, or right. something yeah, like it was that? like the ice cream obstacle course. It was the dumbest thing ever, but you like had to like climb over this, like slide and go into this water that was filled with poison. I swear they had poison in there, but <laughs> everyone once we got out of the water i no one could breathe they didn't show up but there was people throwing up but there was like so much soap and you're like breathing in like soap and i'm pretty sure i was close to dying there but um <laughs> i survived but that was that was probably the hardest one just for that reason what was the most fun one uh the most fun one for me um oh probably singing sister christian i mean that was pretty sweet uh, <laughs> 
Um, I swear, like they they definitely like messed with the microphones to make me sound bad because I think I'm a great singer. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> Every, everyone does. But um, no, that was that was pretty cool. Is there what was the, you had the spelling bee on your season, right? That was was that you got yeah. was that your season of pad? Yeah, yeah. Me and Sarah won the spelling bee. That's right. You guys won the spelling bee, and Nick and Rachel won Sister Christian, and they. That's when they chose. They chose to take you and Sarah to the finals over. Jacqueline, Jacqueline and Ed. And Ed. Okay, because they knew they could beat you guys. Right. Essentially. Okay. How many what was the what was the vote on that when you when you taped the finale? How many votes uh, did you guys get? We got four. And how many did they get? Like eight or something like that? Too many. Yeah. Uh yeah. Okay. I think it was yeah, eight or nine or something like that. Okay. Uh question number five. The most romantic thing that you've ever done for your girlfriend. Oh, <sighs> Boy, that's really putting me on the spot. I hope she doesn't listen to this because I'm going to have to start doing a lot more. Um, (laughs) Most romantic thing. Um, We did like a small kind of – this sounds so bachelor, but we did uh, kind of like a late dinner. And then we did um, a helicopter ride over the city, which was pretty cool, um, and came back. And it was pretty easy, but it was romantic, you know, kind of uh, caught her off guard. Was, uh, yeah, I mean, L.A. doesn't sound that great, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, you know, there's mountains and stuff. They took us all over the place. I think it was the more of the surprise aspect because it was just like a random random day with no plans, and I had it all set up and just went for it. Yeah, it's a thought that counts, you know. Exactly. Um, question number six, you are a huge Cubs fan, being from Chicago. Before, mm-hmm. before the World Series win, what was your favorite Cubs memory? Oh man, so many of them. You know, honestly, me and my dad, we used to go to opening day uh, when I was little every season. So, I mean, every opening day was my was my best memory, but probably my best memory was being there in 1999 or 8, I believe, when Sammy Sosa hit his I think at the time it was his 60th home run. Yeah. Um, so that was that was cool. Um, you know, imagine. I was, I was a kid and I was there for, you know, for some history. So it was pretty sweet. And a, and a follow-up question to that. Can, who are your three all-time favorite Cubs? Um, so Ryan Sandberg's my all-time favorite and it was so cool. I got to meet him at, um, the Cole Hamels foundation, which, um, yeah, Craig Rob, yeah, Craig, yeah, Robinson Craig, Craig puts on. Yeah. 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 So I got to meet, uh, Ryan Sandberg when he was coaching there a couple of years ago. So Ryan, Ryan Sandberg's my favorite. Um, Mark Grace and um, a third one. Those were my top two guys. The third one, uh, probably Greg Maddox would be my third one. Okay. Question number seven. As we know, it got pretty brutal towards you on social media because there's a lot of people that can get pretty brave behind a computer. But tell me about the worst thing that anyone ever said to you or did to you in person. Oh God. Um, probably the worst thing that anyone's ever done was leave like a pretty much a death threat in my parents' mailbox. Um, yeah, a written one. (laughs) Um, so that was pretty bad. Like Um, what, what does a death threat to your parents say? Like, Hey, I, I, I don't like your son. I'm going to blow your house up. Like what did, what does somebody say to something like that? I don't even get it. Well, it wasn't it wasn't directed to my parents. Um, it was directed to me because they, I guess, people found out where I lived from my hometown date. Well, obviously, that's oh. how they found out. Um, but uh, it was just like 
you don't, you know, Chris, you don't deserve to live or something by the way you treat women or oh, something, geez. something crazy. It was, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's weird. Not too many people are really mean to me in person, but I'm sure like those same people that I see in like the public probably have said something bad about me online. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it's the world we live in now. It's just so easy. Yeah. It's so easy to say something with on, online behind a computer with your name not attached to it because there's zero repercussions. Now, obviously, right. Twitter has cracked down a little bit to where if you're, you know, throwing death threats out there and th- they'll take it a little more seriously and they can trace it. But to call someone a douche or something like that on, you know, it's just like whatever. Just right. Question I can number, handle that. Yeah. Question <laughs> number eight. Uh, not that you have to use them anymore since you're in a relationship, but did you have a go-to pickup line on women back either during your bachelor day on the time on the show or even back in college? Did you ever have a go-to pickup line? God, it's so bad. Um, yeah. I used oh, to, you did? I was just, oh, this is good. <laughs> uh, I mean, it wasn't a pickup line. It was more of a conversation starter. So I guess it's a pickup line. Um, but yeah, if we were out like at the bar or somewhere, um, I would just – casually ask a girl what her middle name was um oh. and you know they're pretty caught off guard by that because usually you're asking someone what their name is not their middle name yeah um so it kind of breaks the ice a little bit and uh, it's a good conversation starter <laughs> yeah i mean i gotta give it to you i didn't, i wouldn't have thought of something like that um <laughs> but tell me I, there's got to be a point where in your bachelor heyday that you had to have used the bachelor popularity as some sort of pickup line or please tell me you did at some point. Like, oh, I mean, I mean, when I was in the height of, when I was in the height of things, I mean, you might not even had to because people just knew who you were. <laughs> right. I didn't have to. And it was kind of more of a word of, you know, if I was out somewhere and, you know, someone would like take a picture with me or come over and talk to me, then it was just kind of like a domino effect. So, yeah. Um, that or you know another good thing that kind of worked too um during those days was say girl didn't know who i you know that i was on tv or or whatever yeah. um i would follow i would follow her on twitter the next day and she would see that i have like you know eighty thousand twitter followers yeah. <laughs> and then and then she'd be like oh wow who's this guy so oh. <laughs> so I, I i played that i played that as well interesting um okay question number nine <clears throat> you don't need to name names of course you can if you want probably make it juicier but there has there been anyone in the franchise that you thought was a friend, but come to find out wasn't. Again, you don't need to name any names, but I'm just curious if it's happened to you. Mm, like outside of the show, um, yeah, there's somebody that that's in the franchise that you were friends with, and then realized, okay, they're not really yeah, true friends. I don't I don't think so because I never really considered too many people like my actual friends from the show. Um, gotcha. So I don't think that really, really came up too often. Um, so yeah, so, so I don't really have too much of a response to that. Okay. Um, and finally question number 10, I always save it for something called explain your tweet, which is where I rummage through your Twitter account (laughs) and, and find a, and find a tweet and then just relay it back to you. And for you, it was, the last three that I've done this for, it's been kind of difficult because with Charlene and Michelle, they don't really, it's a lot of retweeting and it's a lot of, you know, Charlene was, Hey, my blog is up and kind of like what I do. I don't really have, I live tweet the show and then I tweet when I, when my blog is up. So you don't have a lot of, 
a lot of your tweets are sports related. They're like Cubs related, you know, fly the W, mm-hmm. which were mm-hmm. all throughout there. So I was like, this is going to be tough. You didn't, you didn't have a lot. So you don't have to worry about this one isn't bad at all. I just, it was one of the few that I could find where it's just like, okay, explain this or, or whatever. So this was from September 16th of last year. You tweeted one hour into a six hour flight and I have reached absolute boredom. Help me. Do you remember that flight and what did you do to cure your boredom? Um, well, that's what I do. <laughs> I, uh, I reach out on social media uh, for some entertainment. Uh, so probably I was probably either flying from D.C. to L.A. or L.A. to D.C., one of those. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll just kind of, you know, lay a feeler out there. And if people respond, um, I just kind of get active on social media just for entertainment. Yeah, no, you didn't. You just you didn't have a lot of tweets out there where it's just like, oh, what did he mean by this? Because your pre- your tweets are pretty transparent. They're just like, hey, Cubs win, or man, that game sucked, or whatever. So it was just, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not I'm not too witty, um, but uh, maybe back in like 2012, you probably could have found some uh, pretty interesting stuff. But glad you didn't go back. Yeah, I, I probably went back to about 14. I went back to about 2014 or 13, but even then, it was still a lot of. It was bachelor related stuff, but it was very transparent. There was no cryptic tweets about anything, so that's where I'm, I'm very, very like, black and white person. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was great. So Chris, you've completed Rapid Ten, and you've pretty much completed this interview. Um, I want to, I, I, I do want to say, and and being perfectly honest, and I mentioned it before, like I really appreciated what you did on the show and your apology and the fact that you backed it up. With, you know, not going back on the show and not saying things and doing things that made would have made your apology insincere. And I'm really uh, I really think it's a cool story and I wouldn't have had you on if you didn't apologize. So um, thank you very much for coming on. I think the I think the listeners are going to love this and seeing this side of you that they certainly didn't see in the, in the five seasons that you were on. So again, uh, yeah, thanks for coming no, I on. appreciate the opportunity to uh, to speak to you finally and um Hopefully your your uh, your readers and um, your followers can, like you said, get a little bit of a better feeling of who I am outside of the show. Yeah, and congratulations for all the success post show uh, since your retirement and everything that's going on and with the girlfriends. So I wish you all the best of luck with that. And again, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Of course, Steve. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks again for coming on, Chris. Uh, that was uh, very good. It was interesting to go over so many things that he had to go through on the show. I mean, remember this, I mean, even though he was only on Andy's season for a hot minute and basically half an episode, everything that went into that, what his mindset was going into that, where he was in his life at that time, um, it was just really good to hear him explain everything and, and own up to everything that he did. I mean, the guy hasn't made an excuse for anything he's done and the way he acted. And, uh, you know, I respected that. And I was, as I said, I wouldn't have had him on if he never apologized. There would be no reason because he would just been another guy from this franchise that I don't give a shit about. And, you know, some self-absorbed douchebag that uh, a lot of these guys, let's face it, and girls sometimes, um, happen to be. And, uh, but Chris, uh, I've read a lot of stuff about him since then. You know, I will, his uh, the link to his blog is on uh, my site today, so go look at it. Uh, the the blog that he wrote after uh, he was eliminated and officially retired from the show. So 
that is on there. And uh, it's a lot of the stuff that he said in this interview today. But um, go read it and just know that he wrote that back when he retired. And he stuck to his word. Hasn't done anything since. So, again, I appreciate Chris for coming on. Thanks again to all you who listened and who are listening almost every week now. We're over 1.3 million downloads overall since I started in December. Uh, way better than I ever expected. It's exceeded my expectations, but I've really enjoyed doing these. And I've enjoyed getting to know these people more as well as a guy who sits here from my computer uh, with a cynical view on the show. And to see the real side of these people has been pretty cool. So thanks to all those who are listening. If you could rate and subscribe and review on iTunes, that would be great. And podcast number 19 will be coming at you next week, next Thursday. I don't know who it's going to be yet. Uh, I've got a couple things in store, but uh, you'll obviously know probably Tuesday or Wednesday of of next week. But uh, until then, thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you next week. See you.